Have you read Crazy Rich Asians? I've watched the movie. Did we talk about this already? Yep. Shit. Try again. Okay. So I'm going to a conference on Wednesday. What kind of conference? It's a book conference. Oh, shut up. I like big books and I cannot lie. You other book readers can't. Yeah. I've not had a lot of good luck with karaoke. But it's still really hard. It is, yeah. It's really mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. All right. Books. I think we got enough. Books. Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation or maybe spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. This is season two, episode 18. Today we are revisiting some favorite authors of ours that we have imposed upon each other. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing this uh, uh, to check another one off the list for the Modern Mrs. Darcy Reading Challenge. So we are getting close to the end of that, which is we exciting. Are. Yeah. And I hear a dog whining outside the door. Yeah. We're so professional. You know. At yeah. least we're not in your bedroom anymore. This is true. <laughs> I'm in proper workspace. <laughs> Kiri probably secretly thinks that I'm like the worst dog parent ever because every time she comes over, my dogs lose their shit. <laughs> and well, and Pixie literally loses her pee yeah. all over the porch. It's but we've learned to now at least let her come out to the porch instead of peeing all over your floor in the house. And she can get to quite the high pitch. Oh, man, yeah. It's it, was like, hot. it was loud today. Yeah, yeah. it's it hurts your ears. Yeah. Welcome to our lives. She's like a chihuahua. <sighs> well, she is part and chihuahua. And a healer. I know. That's what yeah. she is. Yeah. We picked the worst dog breeds ever. <laughs> we may have the most beautiful dogs in the world, but man, are they obnoxious. <laughs> it's a good thing they're beautiful because that's the only saving grace that they have. Yeah. Oh. But I love them. I know. I do, too. And I know that they're excited to see me. I so know. I just want to continue working on their behavior, but you got to get an e collar. <sighs> It'll zap them right out of it, literally. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Chester's such a well-behaved dog. <laughs> Happy birthday, Pixie and Coco! This is their birthday month. <gasps> we got you new collars. <laughs> well, what's nice is that you can control it, right? So sure. when we started with Chester, it was only at a five, which is literally like. But it was enough to like freak him out for a second, uh -huh. and Maybe then you, <gasps> okay, and then you just increase it. Like mm. they start to ignore it, and mm -hmm. then, I mean, Chris put it on his hand and went to a hundred, which is the max you can do. And he was like, it definitely started hurting at like the eighty mark, and we've not gotten past forty. Okay. So I mean, it's literally just like a vibration of like, you know, mm. those massagers. It's oh, yeah. like that. Okay. But on your dog's neck. Hmm. And it okay. just like scares the shit out of them, basically. Like <laughs> you say no, you zap it, and then they learn. Like, mm, okay. It was almost instantaneous with Chester with fence fighting. Okay. Like we did it once, and he. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not everybody's borrow, jam. Or maybe we should just borrow yours. Well, we use it on Chester still. Oh, you still use it? Yeah. Oh, okay. You, the dog trainer said that if you can have it on the dog for a month and not use it then it's ready to take it off mm -hmm. and so we took it off because we hadn't been using it but now he's gone back to his old ways so mm. now it's back on okay he might just be a permanent e-collar dog okay 
I guess, is it bad that I feel a little bit better knowing that Chester's not perfect? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's close. Yeah. But probably, you know, he'll never be perfect. He's a dog. He has they his own dogs. free will. I know. There's a book I want to get called Canine Confidential that kind of gets into the psychology of dog behavior. And mm. it's really interesting. Mm. Anyways, enough about our month. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk books for realsies. Or, or maybe, tea. Or maybe, yeah, let's start with tea. So what are we drinking? <laughs> so shout out to Plum Deluxe. Hi, Plum Deluxe. We love them very much. As you can tell, we made special blends and we drink their tea a lot. And Andy and his crew are lovely. So this tea is actually from Corey's selection, but I've asked to read it because of the description that they put on it. Carrie's going to use her sultry voice. <laughs> I knew I would just giggle. So here so we go. This is the Passion Blend Oolong Tea. And the description is a bold blend, perfect for passionate moments from passion projects to date nights. (laughs) That was as good as my porno voice can get. (laughs) But it tastes really lovely. It has a very strong Mm -hmm. peach flavor, which I really like. Mm -hmm. I don't really know much about oolong teas, but... It's kind of um, one of the standard black teas. Yeah. It also has some rooibos in it, which I think, and it has apple pieces, apricot pieces, peach, and bourbon essence. So that was actually what drew me in, is I was like, peach and bourbon in a tea? Yes, please. Yeah. Do um, you like it? I do. It sometimes feels a smidge little sweet for me. Oh, I like it. Um, I like the sweet. But yeah, I mean, I've I've enjoyed it, and you know, it's it's not an overbearing blend i definitely can kind of taste that caramelly mm-hmm. uh woody bourbony flavor mm-hmm. and then it kind of finishes with the peachy apricotty and it's perfect for passionate moments like this cold wintry gray day that we're having yeah. i guess it's not quite wintry fall fall very much fall we're supposed to get snow on the peaks this weekend so exciting i'm not ready i'm gonna be like hello gorgeous i need pants <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's currently not. Yes, yeah, she's wearing pants. I'm or, wearing like, leggings. I know. I can't wear leggings to work. I have to buy like work pants. Mm. You know, because I just keep best. expanding in my hips. Oh. That's the best thing about my current job is I can wear jeans to work. Shut up. I know. I'm sorry. I wore jeans on Friday, but they were black jeans. Oh. I. On the flip side, I feel like I've gotten, like, I like what I'm wearing, and I think my style kind of flip-flops around here and there, but I feel like I've been less girly. Like, I hardly ever, I was, like, going, looking through my summer stuff as I get ready to put it away, and I'm like, I didn't wear half my skirts or dresses this year. Oh, that's all I wear. I like to hide my hips. Well, I do, too. But I feel like sometimes the jeans, I feel like jeans are flattering. I think what I'm most happy about is I feel like dress pants are just not flattering on most folks unless you're like a real thin person. No curves. And so I'm really happy to give up dress pants. Yeah. I just buy stretchy dress pants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then I feel okay about it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, now that we have squirreled our way around (laughs) multiple times. Books. Which PS one last thing. Yeah. I'll have to we'll have to post this on our Instagram. A friend of mine sent me a picture that she took and she it's like this profile of a rock. I kid you not, it looks like a squirrel. Oh, it's so adorbs. I wanna see it. I will. I'll show it to you after we're done. Okay. I was like, why is she sending me Oh It's a squirrel? It's a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty darn cute. So, oh. Yeah. 
I keep meaning to ask her if she just found the squirrel or if it was like, you know, sometimes like right. coffee pot rock and things yeah. like that. You're like, oh, yes, I see why you called that rock. There is a squirrel rock in Los- in New Mexico. She's in Montana somewhere. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. That's really not it. Probably not. Yeah. This might have even been Colorado. Anyways, neither here nor there. Okay, so where do we want to start? We want to start with your book or my book? You get well, I didn't it. read your book and I don't remember <laughs> my book. I can't believe you didn't read my book. <laughs> Hurt my heart. Well, we'll start with mine then. I read 50 pages and then I said boring and called it good. See, you should have kept going. <laughs> but we have a rule, right? Of I like, know. life I is too short. To read books you don't like. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fair. So I will start with why I picked it and why I like Anne River Siddons. And then I'll give a little brief synopsis of it and kind of what it felt like to reread it. Okay. And then you can kind of tell me. Uh, if you have anything more than it was boring. <laughs> it's going to be a very constructive podcast today from Curie of I don't remember and it was boring. <laughs> we can end it there. <laughs> All right. Curie is a woman of few words sometimes. All right. So obviously it was a reread for me. What um, was the book called? Oh, sorry. Peachtree Road by Ann River Siddons. So if anyone has any familiarity with the South, they're probably going, huh, Peachtree Road. I wonder if it was set in Atlanta. Why, yes, it was set in Atlanta. Um... So I have a big fondness for Southern writers. I lived in the South for a long time, and I spent a lot of time in particular in North Carolina, South Carolina, Atlanta, and, or in Georgia. And um, so I think that's one of the things that draws me to her is I know the area that she's talking about. And I don't, I meant to look up how old she is. I mean, she's got to be, I mean, I think she's still alive. I should look this up. We'll have to put this in the show notes. But she's got to be like in her 70s. Like she's a pretty old woman, at, I would guess at this point. And she's written, I don't know, maybe like 20 books. And so I would say on one hand, I can say having read most of her books, that she's certainly one of those authors that there's certain thematic things you can effect, expect to unfold um, while you're reading the books. And I've been reading these forever. I was thinking, I, I think I started, I probably read my first one in either like high school or college. Mm. Yeah, so... Um, Probably college. But anyways, so she thinks that I would say is she tends to be really lyrical, um, which Carrie could probably uh, say is too boring, wordy or boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This book in particular, I think, has kind of a wistfulness around it that I a nostalgic feel to it. And that's because it is set in Atlanta and it starts in like the mid 1930s because they reference World War Two. Mm hmm. Did you get that far? I think so. Okay. Um, And the other thing, so she often has like, there's always kind of tension and conflict. It's usually some sort of big family saga that covers multi-generations and multi-years. It's very place-based, so you really get the feel. Like one is called The Outer Banks, and it's set in Outer Banks, North Carolina. Um, I mean, she just pops around the South. She has another one called Downtown that's set in Atlanta again. Um, so yeah, they just, she's really good with that, that sense of place. Like you can tell that she grew up in this region and that she knows it really well and that she's lived in this region for many decades and has followed the change and evolution of the Southern region, um, like through her own observations and then kind of translates it. So it's almost like historical fiction too, but not really. Um, and so the thing that I... I think that she does really well, too, that I draws me in, is she often has really strong women voices. In fact, I think Shep is one of her f- few male protagonists. Um, 
the main character in Peachtree Road, usually her main characters are women. And it's usually, so, you know, I'd say Lucy is kind of also a main character. And so she often has main characters that are really strong, kind of defiant women. And usually at a time when that's not particularly an attractive quality to have in a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so a lot of times it's about these women trying to push through the patriarchal systems that they are forced into based on time and place. And she also, again, makes sense with it being the South, addresses issues of race quite a bit. Um, So the the civil rights movement comes up quite a bit. And certainly we could critique it and say maybe that's problematic for a Southern white woman to be writing about the civil civil rights movement. But she does it where she writes from the perspective of white folks who are often trying to be part of the civil rights movement and what that looks like to insert yourself into a movement that is not um, part of your identity. Which is probably what she did if she's writing about it from that point of view. Correct. Yeah. So that is what I would say you can expect if you're reading Anne River Siddons. Um, When I've, you know, I think you mentioned to me a while ago that you you didn't get very far. And I was like, well, shit. (laughs) I was like, I did it again. I couldn't find something (laughs) Kiri liked. I mean, it's kind of a hard thing to find. I know. I know. I don't understand either. Like, (laughs) I feel like, what, 75% of the time I don't like the books even I choose. Like, it's just... But I think that's also be- that's good because you know what you like and you know what you don't but like. But I don't know what I like. Oh, that's like, true. Because picking- I pick random books and sometimes I really like them and sometimes I like would think that I would like them because it's based on that it's mm-hmm. similar to this one book. And then I'm like, well, that's shit. Mm. Like Agatha Christie. Right. Jesus. <laughs> the, lar- the long monologues at the end of all of her books make me want to stab my eyeballs out. <laughs> Do you think it's mood driven? Maybe. I think it's, I just have to be invested. Like the characters have to like jump out at me Mm -hmm. by like page 10. That's a good point. I would, I would agree with you. I think you were very character driven. Yeah. You, you. And I picture like the places, Mm -hmm. like I have to have enough detail where I can see where they're going, but not too much detail where it's like, the tomato was red, the color of blush on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. while they were running down the street like no Mm. (laughs) no well and again I think that's why I love books like Peachtree Road because I've spent a lot of time in Atlanta and he's describing a city that I've spent quite a bit of time in but in a a completely different era and so you know even watching him or listening to him describe the changes so here's a fun wait so it's a male writer no but the, the main character... Oh. Yeah. I was um, about to be like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, yeah, like, there was even this part where he, he's talking about... So he spent some time in New York City, and he comes home to Atlanta, and he's talking about coming in, and he's like, I looked to... I'm just paraphrasing. I looked to the left where so-and-so's farm had been for many, many years, and all I saw was this low structure, white structure with many miles of cars in front of it and I was like what is that and then he was like oh that's the new Lenox Square Mall well Lenox Square Mall is like one of the big fancy malls in you know that it was the first mall in Atlanta and so him talking about it going from farm country Mm. to the first mall you know so again kind of that evolution so that's the thing I'd say about Peachtree Road too is it's not even just about and again if you're not into this it's going to be a turnoff it's not just about the people it's not the history of these this family and 
it's also the history of a city mm-hmm. and kind of how this Atlanta went from this kind of small southern town to the, you know, premier city of the, you know, southern belt. Mm-hmm. So, and how that happened. So I think that I like that again, having known the modern-ish Atlanta compared to the Atlanta of the 30s through the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. anyways. Um, so, yeah, I think, let's see here. I made some notes because my brain was dead. So, you know, the main characters live in... So, um, again, if you know anything about Atlanta, the really shishi area is called Buckhead. And that was where the old money, moneyed Atlantans lived, especially for the early part of the city. And so a lot of the beginning of the story is about the Shep and Lucy growing up together and with all this wealth. And it's about their, you know, their their friends and the privilege that they had and the adventures and you know they get into all this nostalgia of you know going to dances and cotillions and all this like again very classic old school southern stuff and I was like but I was I will be honest when I started the book and I don't know if your reaction colored my (laughs) uh start of the book but I was I it it started slow for me too Mm -hmm. and I when I started it I, I honestly was like oh gosh have I outgrown this book is it no longer interesting to me? Mm-hmm. And I made myself keep pushing forward because I was like, this is my book. This is a book I own. I, you know, I love Anne Riversons. And, um, I finally, I finally found my rhythm and I was like, yes. Okay. Yes. This is why I like you. This is why I like this book. And I'd been so long since I read it. it you know how that is where it was new, but yet familiar, mm-hmm. the story and everything related to it. So that was one thing that I, it it finally sucked me into the story as far as the story of Atlanta and the story of this really dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the heart of it is Shep and Lucy and Shep grows up as an only child with uh, dysfunctional parents who are not particular. His mother is smothering. His father is not particularly loving. And then his father's brother's wife was aunt Mm -hmm. shows up at their doorstep when he was about seven with her three kids and she was kind of southern white trash i'm using air quotes here and um her her ne'er-do-well husband shep's father's brother had abandoned them Mm -hmm. and she was kind of at the end of her rope and she comes and asks for them to let her stay there and so they end up living with them for the rest of of the time, but it's again, it's this really complex relationship where they look down on Willa, the aunt, and Lucy's this really from the beginning is this really strong willed child who's very impulsive and larger than life, and again, just misbehaves all the time and says the wrong thing and mm-hmm. does the wrong thing and exhibits a lot of poor judgment along the way. And but Shep you know, becomes best friends with Shep, her cousin, and they have this, but again, they have this really complex and at times toxic relationship. At some point, it's borderline incestuous, so that's a little uncomfortable. Um, And that colors the relationship a lot. And, but she's just, you know, she she just wants to be loved and belong, but she acts out when she doesn't get what she wants or Mm. when she feels unaccepted. And at that time, that was just way, you know, in the 1940s and 50s, Mm -hmm. 
and into the 60s like that's just not how proper young women behaved and so that's a big theme in there of her being trying to confine her into this box but it's also about Shep's relationship with the rest of his family and his friends and losing the great love of his life because of his complex relationship with Lucy and fleeing Atlanta for Princeton and New York City to get away from the south and from his family and then coming back ending up back home when his father falls ill Mm. and so when the book starts, it's really kind of, again, it has that nostalgia because it's reflexive and he's looking back and telling the story of his entire life. And um, I don't know. So it's, it is very slow moving in many ways. But if you like a really character driven story with a really strong sense of place and you like the South, <laughs> this book's for you, I would say. Mm. But that would be where I will end on Peachtree Road. <laughs> so what what did you find boring? Can you remember like what? why immediately you were like this is not for me Uh, well like the opening pages are about somebody dying right yeah i found that boring okay talking about the tradition of funerals and yeah yeah so you just it so it took too long to get to the characters i think maybe if you've been able to get to the characters you might have liked the book maybe so i don't know i don't know either yeah i tried it's okay we don't, like we said, we have an agreement. <laughs> if you can't get into it, life's too short to read books that you're not feeling. Yeah. It so. was, yeah, it just was and slow And this is a long and, commitment. I mean, yeah. it's like 500 pages. It's almost 600 pages. So yeah. if you aren't feeling it. Not going to do it. All right. Just say no. Just say no. So you picked Tana French into the woods, or in the woods. In the woods, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember anything about the book. <laughs> When did you read it? Do you remember? A long time ago. Okay. Why did you pick it? Because I thought that it was the likeness. Oh, I got them confused. Okay. Yeah. I see. So I really like the likeness, which is a really, really, really crazy, crazy good book. And I remember all of the details about that book. But into the or in the woods, I can't. Like, I even read a synopsis, and it wasn't, like, Mm. ringing a bell. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, so, you know, it's a mystery and a police procedural, so... Yeah, in Dublin. In Dublin. So, in theory, this should have been totally in my wheelhouse. And I didn't not like it, but it took me quite a while to read it. Like, some, usually books like that, I tear through, because I want to get to the end. Yeah, I think that was, I don't think I rated that one... Well, I think I literally uh-huh. switched the books in my yeah. head and okay. picking them uh-huh. because I remember seeing it on the Excel spreadsheet that we have being like, is that the one? <laughs> and then I just left it and I didn't like double check mm, it because, you know, okay. life got in the way. Yeah. But and then do you I, need to read the first one to be able to read the second one? Because it's the Dublin murder, murder Squad yeah, and series, right? The likeness is the first one. No, no, no. In the Woods is the first one. Oh, is it? Uh-huh. I, you don't need to read them. Okay. I just thought no. we should mention that in case people are going, hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, it definitely, no, I don't think, because I think I read The Likeness first. Oh, okay. And then I read In the Woods. Okay. And then I started, like, a rampage of Tana French, and then I got burnt out on, like, the fourth murder squad mm. one, and then I stopped reading her. So, okay. but it's The Likeness that I wanted to pick. Okay. I wonder what you'll think of The Witch um, when you get to that one. I know I plan on reading that one after Deborah Harkness. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, 
it was a little inconsistent for me. And maybe it was because it is her first book. Maybe that's why. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the first one. Um, I... It was just a little slow moving and a little all over the place. Like there was almost too many plot lines going on for me. And and I appreciate complexity and multiple multiple plot lines, but these were just I think it took too long for them to all kind of come together and then there was still some weird lack of resolution. So for example, for those that have not read it, the one of the main characters, the one the, the Maddox, he's one of the detectives for the murder squad so the book's told from his point of view and one of the big plot lines is that when he was a child i think around 11 or 12 he goes he's playing and he lives in like rural ireland he and his two best buds a girl and a guy go off into the woods one summer day and then um they disappear and then he reappears i want to say like two or three days later covered in blood with no recollection of what happened to him or his friends and they never find his friends. Mm -hmm. So then he and his family disappear and he changes his name, all of the stuff. And so that's kind of one backstory. And then this young girl who's 12 is murdered in his original hometown of Nocknery or something like that. And so that's what the impetus for all of this is. And so some of it is the dilemma of him keeping this secret and, you know, should he even be involved given his history and then it's also this relationship with his partner, who's a woman, who's like his best friend, and they have sleep platonic sleepovers all the time. And then, spoiler alert, pause if you want to like fast forward 15 seconds. They end up sleeping together. And then because he's an idiot, he dumps her and then that ruins their relationship. And then the whole mystery, and then the whole time I'm like, but what's going on with this mystery and who killed this girl? Right. And then that kind of ended weirdly. Like we figured out who it was. But then that just seemed kind of like, it just, it wasn't like a big dun-dun-dun. It was kind of like, and then we discovered what was going on. Right. And then it was just kind of really kind of sad and depressing of, you know. Poisoning. And poisoning. And and then we never even find out, like, we kept waiting. I kept waiting to, like, I figured she was going to, like, circle back around to the mystery of what happened to him and his friends. But we never know. Mm -mm. And I'm just kind of like, really? You may spend all this time, like. Yeah. Going through his crap and how this has had such a lasting impact on him and having to revisit all these people in his old town and pretend to be someone else. And we're still never going to know what happened to these two kids. Yeah. I think, yeah. And the person who did the murder, well, who, well, okay. The person who did the murder is caught and held responsible, but the, the puppeteer who was pulling the strings gets away with it. So I don't know. It just, at the end of it, I was just kind of like, Huh. Yeah, the likeness would have. Okay. Yeah, it's much better. The likeness is crazy. And that's still about Cassie, though, right? The the detect so yeah. that the female detective that yeah. Maddox sleeps with. Yeah, and she like in that book, there's like another murder mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, there's a murder, but her the woman that gets murdered lives with like five roommates, mm. and all of them are acting suspicious. Oh jeez! And Cassie looks like the woman that's been murdered. Oh okay. So she embeds herself in this group and becomes. I think her name is Jessica, and like lives her life and goes Stop. to her classes and completely encompasses this woman oh, to like so understand. Creepy the roommate dynamic and if it was one of the mm. roommates that had murdered her originally and okay. oh it was it's crazy huh but so good okay yeah so read mm. that one okay i'll add it to my don't book. read in the woods 
Too late. Well, not you, the oh. listeners. I was like, I already read it, damn it, Carrie. No. Read the likeness. It's much better. Yeah. I think that's actually the one I still own. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think if you like this type of book, sure, fine. Um, it just was pretty long and really wasn't satisfying at it's the end. It's the virgin popping book. Okay. Yeah, and that happens, you know. I will say, I did, I, I, I highlighted two quotes in the book, and... Um, this was one that I really liked. So I'll just read this one and then I'll talk about the other one without reading all of it. So she's French writes. She is a very beautiful speaking voice, Cassie low and flexible, like a woodwind, but the words she said seemed to crawl hissing up the walls, spin sticky, dark trails of shadow across the lights, nest in tangled webs in high corners. And I was like, wow, that's really pretty Yeah, <laughs> and creepy at the same time. Yeah. And then at the very end, let's see if I can find it. So again, you know, the male detective Maddox is the narrator throughout this whole thing. I think that's his name. I hope I'm using the right name. That's awkward if I'm not. Um, it's been a while since I've read this too. So this is kind of towards the end of it. And, oh, this was the other thing is, and sometimes I feel like this uh, tool, that's not the word I'm looking for, trick, whatever, works, but and you probably won't remember this since you don't remember a lot about the book, but as he's narrating, he will say something that implies that things are not going to go well in the future. Like what he's yeah. doing. And, Cause he's, cause it's almost again, a reflective mm -hmm. narration and he'll say little did I, you know, something along the lines of little did I know the impact of this, right. you know, and you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that works for me. And for some reason in this book, it didn't work for me. I kept going, okay, so you're telling, you're foreshadowing that right. something bad is going to happen and that your behavior right now is really going to impact that. Great. This is real helpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he says, before you decide to despise me too thoroughly, consider this. She fooled you too. You had a, as good a chance as I did. I told you everything I saw as I saw it at the time. And if that was in itself deceptive, remember, I told you too that I warned you right from the beginning that I lie. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do actually remember that and also being quite frustrated. I was with like, it. you're such a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I don't feel better about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because it just was so smug. And I was just like, I don't like you. He's a cocky motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Up there with the E. I already said fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I said it earlier <laughs> over something else. Oh, man. Well, so I think um, <laughs> revisiting <laughs> authors we liked. Didn't work out very well this time, but maybe next Take time. Take it, Ann Bogle. You messed us up. It's um, okay. It's okay. It was, it was a fun little journey. And, uh, you know, as always, we read more books and yep. learned more stuff. And had good conversation and good tea. Yes. Mm -hmm. And had the uh, beautiful symphony of dog squeaks in the background. Little chihuahua mix. Dang it, Pixie. Yeah. Yes. God love her. Well, folks, we are still kind of in limbo. Um, Kiri and I are both kind of having a rough fall and with little time and whatnot. So we're going to continue to sort some things out. Yeah. And we'll keep you posted. But... Probably our pu our publishing of episodes might be a little erratic through the end of the year, but hopefully we'll continue to slowly uh, release things for you to enjoy and laugh at our silliness and um, keep on listening. Yep. All right. Take care.
Hey, book friends, we hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 